You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. To Abraham a promise, a sky full of stars he sees. And the prophecy of the Lord has said, so shall your offspring be. To Isaac a sacrifice, not him to the knife, but a ram. And so will say the Lord to him, for you will sojourn in this land. To Jacob a blessing, but only after struggle. And he shall lead his people with a limb and is so renamed Israel. Hear, O Israel, you are to love the Lord your God. You live and struggle and groan in strife, but you pray to the God most high. Rejoice, O Israel, the Lord has seen, the Lord has heard. A deliverance is coming soon, the savior of the world. To Mary came an angel, he told her not to fear. For to the virgin a child is born, Emmanuel is here. Our hope is in this gift of love, this promised Prince of Peace. Rejoice today, for he's coming again. His reign will never cease. We are gonna be a little bit all over the place today. Um, Words often, even little words, have huge meanings. Huge implications, right? Let me give you a couple examples. So for tea, for instance, all right, not hot tea, cold tea. There is a huge significant difference tea with sugar and tea without, which is just brown water. (laughs) Some of you live in the South for that very reason. There's a big difference, coffee the way God intended it to be drunk with nothing in it, people. That is how coffee is designed. Some of you have some creamer with some coffee. There's a big difference with or without, right? We had a huge uh, kind of, this is a, one that was significant for us at staff meeting this week. We discussed this, this, the deep theology of this. There's two types of people in the world. Those who delight when they eat God's chicken sandwich and they take a bite. For me, when I take a bite and there is a pickle in there and I specifically asked without pickles. There's nothing more disappointing. But apparently, some of y'all weirdos like the pickle, right? And so, and if our staff pastors, it's divided down the line, right? But that's huge significance, with or without. Some of you have kids. Uh, big difference, date night with kids, which is not <laughs> date night without, right? Little words, huge implications and significance. We are in the second week of Advent, uh, and we have this year just kind of been thinking about uh, the name Emmanuel, right? Which means God with us. El, Hebrew word for God. Im, Hebrew word for with. And that middle section is the pronoun us. God with us. Nine little letters in, in English. Huge implications, right? Um, and, and traditionally, uh, in the Advent season, every week you kind of focus on one theme. Last week we looked at what is the coming of Emmanuel? What is God with us? How does that bring us hope? And what do we put our hope in? And we know that, and, and Clint did a good job unpacking, hope is not wish. Yesterday morning, some of y'all wished I'm not, 
I didn't even say anything. Y'all are just so negative in here. Wished it was gonna be warm. I was gonna say, wished it was gonna be warm. But see, that was a false hope. And I could have told you that going in, right? But the hope that Jesus brings God with us is not a, we hope our offense shows up. It's an expectation, it is confidence. And so Jesus, God with us, brings us hope. Today we're gonna see how God with us brings peace. Because with or without makes a huge difference. Because without Emmanuel, there's no peace. No peace. With Emmanuel, there is peace. And so we're gonna look at that. And this is a huge topic. I don't have time. I mean, there's over 350 something mentions of the word peace in the Old and New Testament. Not gonna have time to look at them all. But what I do is just kind of talk about what peace really is. And then we'll establish kind of that that Messiah brings peace. And then I just wanna give you just a couple ways that God with us brings peace, right? Gives peace, all right? And so big talk, when we think about peace often, we actually, even though we, we wouldn't admit it, we think about it in the negative because peace is for us often the absence of hostility. No war, no kids maybe. Peace, right? But it's, it's a negative, which that may be a subset of what biblical peace is, but biblical peace is actually a positive. It is a word that means harmony, tranquility, well-being, prosperity even. And so the common Middle Eastern greeting, greeting peace to you, is not like, I hope you get a nap. It's, I wish the best possible thing for you, right? That, that's the idea. Um, and, and so we get confused on that. We also get confused. Peace for us is often, especially in our culture, related to our circumstances. Again, kids or no kids, peace or no peace, right? But, but biblical peace is unrelated to your circumstances. It's, de- it's prosperity and harmony despite the circumstances. And that type of peace, y'all, only comes from the prince of peace, This is what was prophesied. And so Luke chapter one, familiar passage, Zechariah, old dude, priest, goes in to offer the offering for the year, the incense. Angel shows up and says, hey, old man, you're gonna have a baby. He's like, no way, Jose, my wife's an old lady. And the angel says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. You're not gonna talk for a while. And so he cannot speak. Nine months later, little baby shows up. They go to the mama. They say, what should we name him? Zach Jr. after the father, right? She says, nope, his name is John. They're like, John? There's nobody in your family called John? Let's ask the dad. Dad, what do you want to name him? He says, give me an iPad. Scribbles out, his name is John. And his mouth is open and he prophesies about John the Baptist. But here's what he says about Jesus. He says, about John, you child will be called the prophet of the most high. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. And here then it switches to Messiah, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. It's a, it's a metaphor for Christ. Uh, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Messiah will bring 
peace. God with us brings peace. And then you just skip a couple verses down, the angels show up, right? The shepherds are out in the field, baby Jesus is in the manger, boom, bright lights. They announce, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find the, find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And it's as if heaven has to just burst out then. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. We just sang it. And on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. God with us brings peace brings peace or offers peace, right? But how? What does that mean? I think there's three ways I want you to kind of leave this morning thinking about. Uh, and, and they're all related to the first. So if you miss the first, you won't get the other two. The first is the most significant. And it's linked back to what the angels say, right? What, what is, unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, right? Which implies what? Somebody's in danger, if you need a savior, someone needs to be saved. So what were we in danger from that we needed a savior? We were in danger from God because we are under his wrath. See, Jesus comes to be a savior. He didn't, he didn't, God didn't dwell among us. Emmanuel did not come so, so God could fix the government despite what some of y'all think. If he, if he wanted to fix the government, he would have sent a politician. He didn't come to heal everybody physically. God didn't dwell among us to make everyone healthy. If, if that was the case, he would have sent a doctor. He didn't dwell among us because we needed new ideas and, and new direction. He would have sent a philosopher or an administrator. He didn't dwell among us to fix all the ills of society and poverty and, and make sure capitalism thrives he would have sent an economist if he wanted to do that. He sent a savior because we were in danger from him. And the first peace that God with us brings, the most significant, is peace with God. Because Isaiah says that, that your sins made a separation between us and God that we were alienated, that we were dead in our trespasses. Romans 5 says, if, we, if while we were enemies, just stop right there, think about that word. You were an enemy of God. What is an enemy? Someone who is against you, antagonistic, wants to hurt you, hates you, despises you, wrongs you. And, and we often think, you know, enemies, and, and sometimes they are, they're just evil. Like, you got the the Nazis, evil. The cowboys, evil. But th make it personal. Think about in your life. Have you ever had an enemy? And you, some of you are like, oh no, I live in the South. Everyone's nice. No, you're wrong. You have an enemy, you just don't know it. Think about it. Maybe it was someone who bullied you in high school. Maybe it's a, a, a boss who's been trying to get rid of you. Maybe it's someone who has slandered you, hurt you, gone behind your back, stolen something from you. Maybe it's someone in your house. Maybe it was a, a relative. And, and think about all the emotion that goes into the enemy piece. Because I want you to grasp that that was you 
against God. And if you're gonna pick an enemy, you don't wanna pick that one. You're gonna lose that one, right? That was us, our sin, our rebellion. And I know there's this mindset in, in the world that, well, God is just so loving that he will. God is absolutely loving, but he is also holy. And in his holiness, he has to deal with sin. He can't just overlook it and be like, yeah, no big deal, because he would no longer be holy and just. So he has to deal with sin. But here is where God is unique. We want to destroy our enemies. Our God makes peace with his enemies. He pursues peace. And he knows that the only way to do that is someone's gotta pay the price for the sin because of God's demand for holiness and justice. And so what does he do? He sends the second person of the Godhead, his beloved son, comes to Bethlehem. God dwells among us. He becomes one of us. He lives the perfect life we could not live. And then he willingly offers himself in your place to pay your debt, to make peace. And this is what we looked at in Colossians, right? For in him, in Christ, the fullness of God was pleased as well. There's God with us, right? And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth and heaven, making peace. How? Through his blood on the cross. And you and I who were alienated, we were separated, we were hostile, we were doing evil deeds, he now is reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Why? To present you holy and blameless. This is what he's done. He's made you holy and blameless. This is what our God does to his enemies. And he does so willingly. He doesn't hesitate. It's not reluctant. He delights to do so. He delights to send the son. He delights to show you grace and mercy. He delights to press that into your hand. Only God shows favor on his enemies. This is why the angels say what? Again, unto you a child is born, right? Peace on earth among whom his favor rests. This is what God has done. He has made peace through Christ. And, and it's not peace like yeah, it's peace, but it's kind of like a ceasefire peace. Like, you know, it's not like Russia and America. Yeah, we're allies, there's peace. But we really don't like you and we're gonna fly planes like right up to the level and then turn at the last minute because we wanna antagonize you and annoy you. It's not that kind of peace. This is peace where he says, the very love that I have for my son, I have for you. The very delight that I have for my son, I have for you, my old enemy. He makes us family, right? See, that's peace. That's, that's what God with us does. And it's only true because God was with us. That's why it's good news. And here, here's the question before we move on to the second one. Do you have that peace? Because I, I can talk about the other two, but it don't really matter. If you don't have this peace, peace with God, the others do not matter. Do you have peace with God? You say, I don't know. How do I know? Romans 5 says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. Where do you believe? Do you, have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? And, and that's a loaded thing. Not about him, but what he has done. Have you recognized you were an enemy? You were separated from God. Your sin deserves wrath. Jesus took your place and you're trusting in him now. You're trusting what he has done, that he died and that he rose again. 
If not, you don't have peace. And, that, and that's, the, that's, the, that's the message of the, the Bible right there. And if you don't, if you have questions about that, you're like, I, I just don't know. Come talk to one of us. Find someone with a name tag. Come in the back and, and someone will pray with you because that's the only peace that matters. That's the only peace that matters. It's peace with God. But then, that, that's the first step because then we have peace with God. There's two others. And that, that one's very subjective. The others are two, or that's very objective. The others are like subjective and a more horizontal here. Uh, the second one is we have peace because of Emmanuel in life. Peace in life. And here's where we can get a little sideways too because we think peace means easy. Peace does not mean easy. It doesn't take long in the, in the birth narratives of Jesus to realize this is not gonna be easy, right? I mean, how, it's just like when we got Milton the dog and like the first week he's in the vet and in the hospital and all these things. I'm like, we should just got rid of him then because this is the, this is the future. We knew what was coming, right? It was already showing up first week when Jesus shows up and it's chaos. Single gal, teenager, having to run to Egypt, life in danger, family rejecting. There's a lot of chaos. Wasn't easy, yet he was the Prince of Peace. And so let's not make the mistake that just because you have peace that things are easy, right? It's not, that's not what he's talking about. In fact, here's a verse for you. This is one we, we kind of skip and, and Jesus promises verse. Do not think, Jesus speaking, that I've come to bring peace to the earth. Oh, well, that's an interesting statement. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother-in-law. See, there's biblical justification for a daughter against mother-in-law right there. <laughs> daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Person's enemies will be those of his own house. That's an interesting statement for Jesus to make. But then in John, he says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Well, which is it, Jesus? A sword or peace? And see, some would say, oh, see, there's a contradiction in the Bible. See, Jesus says peace here. Once, but, but understand what he is saying. He, he says, I, I didn't come to bring peace, but I did come to leave peace. I'm leaving it with you. I will bring peace one day. Right? And so in John, in John 14, he says, peace I leave with you. If you skip all the way down to the end of this kind of narrative where he finishes up, he says, I said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In me. In the world, you have trouble. That's the Matthew passage. So it's not contradictory. He's just explaining. You're gonna have trouble. Sometimes following Jesus is going to bring chaos, even to your house. It just is. Some of you have had that. It says, in the world you will have trouble, but take courage, I have overcome the world. The world you have trouble, me you have peace. How does, back, back in John 14, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives. Jesus' peace is different than the world's peace. How does the world bring peace? Police officers, insurance, contracts, locks on door, all these things, right? Airbags health insurance, um, that's how the world brings peace. Life lock, right, peace of mind. NyQuil, get to sleep, uh, peace. That's how the world offers peace. Not bad things, but Jesus' peace is different because all those are circumstantial. If I don't have health insurance, no peace. If I don't have money in the savings account, no peace. If I'm out of NyQuil, no peace. Jesus says, no, no, 
my peace I leave with you. Jesus' peace is different. His is the peace that, that Paul says surpasses all comprehension which means you can't get it, you don't, it can't fathom it. It's something just God does. It's his peace. It's the same peace he has in John 14 that he's right here staring down the barrel of the cross and he still has peace. It's not circumstantial. It's, it's linked to his relationship with the Father. Jesus has always had his intimacy and oneness and joy and love and peace with the Father for eternity past. And that's the experience that he's saying now. Because you have peace with God, I want you to come in on that with me. He's inviting us to that kind of peace. That radical peace that he has with God the Father. Right? That he establishes in the cross. And so he again at the end says, I've said these things to you that you may have peace. These things, that's a lot of these things, by the way, two chapters worth of these things, but one of the biggies in there is that I will send you the helper, the comforter, and he will be with you forever. See, Jesus' peace comes from Jesus' presence. His presence. Remember that? There's several of these stories, but remember that one story of the, the apostles? They're on the boat, long day of ministry, going across the water at night, Jesus is knocked, he's just beat, he's preached like 80 sermons, he's healed a bunch of people, he's tired, and the disciples are just trying to get, and the big storm comes, and, and all of a sudden it's rocking and rolling, and they're just trying to, you know, throwing water out, and finally they, they wake Jesus up. They're like, don't you care about us? How often do you in your life, when you're in the middle of the storm and you cry out, don't you care, Jesus? If you cared, this wouldn't be happening. I wouldn't have this anxiety, Jesus. I wouldn't be single still, Jesus. I wouldn't have this debt, Jesus. I wouldn't have that health issue, Jesus. I would have got into the school I wanted to get in. Don't you care, Jesus? And Jesus, what did he do? He says, peace be still, boom, deals with that problem. And then he says, he rebukes them. and says, where is your faith? I'm sitting right here. What are you so worried about? I'm right here. Right? And I know that you're, and some of us, this is the way we think, and I know it's a very, you know, maybe earthly way to think, but we're like, well, if Jesus was just here with me, I wouldn't worry about money. Because I can know he could just go down to the lake and throw a fishing rod out and then he'd catch, catch me some fish with some money and he did that for Peter, he'd do that for me. All right? if I, I, I wouldn't be worried about this, this, this bad scan if Jesus was here. I wouldn't be worried about this relationship with my parents if Jesus was here. I wouldn't be so you know, just struggling with depression and anxiety if Jesus was here. And the point of, of this passage, Jesus tells the disciples, I got to go away so that I can send the helper so that he can be with you forever, right? He will dwell with you. He will be in you, it says there at the end. You know him, he dwells in you. He will be in you. The spirit of truth forever. And so when we say, Jesus, if you were just here, then I would be, he says, I am. I told you I would be forever, right? That, that's the point. That's, that's where peace comes from. It comes from the presence of the spirit which he's given us forever. I am with you always to the end of the age. Romans 8, what can separate us from the love of God? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son. Will he not also give us all things? All these promises, my sheep hear my voice. They follow me. No one's able to snatch them out of my hand. The father who is greater than I, no one's gonna snatch him out of his hand. 
right? That, that's the idea of God with us is that we have peace because he's right there in the boat. Even if we can't see him, he's here. And I, I, I know this is easy to say when all is well. And peace like a river attendeth my way. The second line is the hard line. When sorrows, when sea billows roll. I get it, right? And so this is where, but this is where the rubber meets the road for us. This is where we get peace is when we come back to these things. Have you ever been with someone on a plane who doesn't like to fly? They're scared. I used to be scared of turbulence when I was younger. I actually like it now because I like watching people freak out. Number one, if the plane breaks apart, you're not gonna know it. You're just gonna wake up and you're gonna see Jesus because you're gonna pass out. So you'll be all right, right? You're 38,000 feet. It's not like you're gonna be like, ah, you know, it's, you might wake up like 10 feet from the ground, but then you won't remember that anyway. <laughs> just saying, you know, it's not to be depressing here. Peace on earth, right? Well, okay, back to the story. So if you know anything about flying, you really know that turbulence is not really a big deal. I think I, I did research on this. Last time someone, a plane was brought down, a commercial plane from turbulence was like 1966. And it's because the pilot took the plane close to a mountain so he could show everybody and the plane's tail fell off. And so that was bad. But it was his fault. It wasn't turbulence. Right? Turbulence is, is, if you've ever watched the video, I've watched all the videos. They, they test these planes out. They bend the wings up like, you know, almost 90 degrees. Turbulence is not gonna break the wing off. So you can trust that the plane is secure. Right? It's kind of like a roller coaster. I, when you go on a roller coaster, there's only one way to ride it, with your hands up. Because holding on does nothing. Do you realize that? It's, you're not going anywhere. Lawyers have made sure of that. So you just, it's, this is the enjoyable position. Why? Because I know I'm secure. This doesn't make it any different. Some of you are living life like this. The idea is Jesus is much more secure than a roller coaster and an airplane. Because they could crash still and for some other reason, Jesus never crashes. He never contradicts his word. That doesn't mean it's gonna be an easy ride. It doesn't mean we're gonna get everything we want. It means I am there. There is nothing that, that misses my, my gaze, my notice, my sovereign will. So even if I am pruning you with this issue, I'm there. I haven't left that's, that's why Jesus can have peace. He knows, even though I'm headed to the cross, I know that the Father's will is best, that God is working out all things for, for our good and his glory. That doesn't mean it's fun, but that's the point. Peace doesn't come from circumstances, right? It's outside of it. It's rooted in the fact that we have peace with God. Now we can have peace of God. And if you're struggling with that, I hear you, because I am too. And you can cry out to God, God increase, help me to believe, help my unbelief. This is why we gotta keep coming back to these promises. We gotta keep reminding. This is why community is so important. Being around people who will remind you of these things. When we sing, when we hear each other singing, we're reminding ourselves of glory in the highest and all these things. It is important. Let me give you a little memory verse for some of you. All right, this would be a good one to memorize. Isaiah 26.3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. He's like the one who lets the word of Christ richly dwell within them. It's the way the New Testament might say it. 
But you, you keep the one in peace who does what? Whose mind keeps coming back to these promises, who keeps reminding himself, no, 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 I am with you always to the end of the age. And you keep having to preach it to yourself sometimes. That's, that's how we have peace in chaos, is going back to what God has done and reminding ourselves, I am loved. I am as loved as Christ is loved. I am as, pure, I am as holy as Christ is because of his righteousness. I am as as longed for and delighted in. These are the promises that we go back to. How does Emmanuel bring us peace? It brings us peace with God. It brings us peace in life. And there's one more. It's a hard one. Some of you are not gonna like this one. Right, but, but it's part of it. It's with peace with others. We're supposed to. We're supposed to have peace with others. I can give you a bunch of verses. Get real convicting. I'll just give you a few. You can go back and read them later. But Hebrews 12, 14 says, strive for peace. The the word means to run towards. Some of you don't like running. I get it. But you have to run here. Run for peace with everybody. That's a hard one. Everybody. Right? That covers everybody. And I know some of you are thinking, but yeah, but you don't know what they did. They're mean. They did X. I get it, but I can also tell you this. When you stand before Jesus, do you think that excuse is gonna hold up? Well, yeah, Jesus, but he was mean. You don't know what they did. And his response would probably be like, I bet they didn't nail you to a cross, right? He wouldn't be so sarcastic, I would. (laughs) But the point is, I made peace with my enemies who nailed me to a cross. Now, you make peace. You, peace, you pursue peace. Now, sometimes there's not gonna be peace. Romans says, live in harmony with one another, don't be haughty, associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own eyes, repay no one evil for evil, give thought to do, do as honorable in the sight of all if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, as, long, as much as it depends on you. So you've done all you can to make peace, and if the other person doesn't, that, you can't do anything about it. But this vertical and horizontal peace deal matters. We have peace with God, so we're supposed to have peace with men. This is why Jesus says, if you have, are offering your offering at the altar and you remember that this guy's got something against you, leave it, go deal with it, and then come back. Because right? we don't want to talk about how holy, holy you are and how great your relationship with God is and how great your quiet time is and how all these things, and you are in a battle with your neighbor or your boss, because they're related, right? It's peace. If, if there's gonna be peace, we're gonna have to overlook some things, y'all. We're just gonna have to do it. You're gonna have to forgive some people. You're gonna have to be humble, right? Not saying you have to be best buds, but you cannot hold grudges, right? You don't do all you can. Here's another passage, James 3. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then what? Peaceable. Talk about how smart and how wise, how godly you are. Wisdom from above is peaceable, right? Wisdom from below is selfish, jealous. Right. Now here's another one, Peter. Whoever desires to love life and seek good days. You want good days? I want good days. Let him keep his tongue from evil. 
His lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn from evil and do good. Let him seek peace. Good days link to peace. The same thing the Proverbs say. Deceit's in the heart of those who devise evil. Those who, have, who plan for peace have joy. You wanna have joy? Pursue peace. You just can't escape it, right? Blessed are the peacemakers. What is his promise? They shall be called sons of God, right? Why? Because our God is the one who makes peace. Our God is the one who has made peace with us and now says, now you go. It's why we're being like God when we are peacemaker. Not just making peace relationally, but when we actually are making, helping them make peace with God by telling people about Christ. Blessed, happy, satisfied are the peacemakers, right? God with us, powerful words, brings us peace, peace with God, peace in life, should be peace with others. And then one day, the whole idea of Advent, as we look back to the first coming, the first arrival is what the word means, in an expectation that there will be another. Because all the promises about his first coming were true. Bethlehem, Judea, you know, go into Egypt, virgin will conceive, all these things, all these promises, they were fulfilled in the first coming, and so we know that all the, the ones about his second coming will be true as well. There's a verse in Isaiah, famous verse, quoted a lot, it's actually in the plaza in New York City across from the UN, it says this, he shall judge between the nations, he shall decide disputes for many peoples, they shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks, nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. A noble goal for the UN, which they'll never be able to do. Because there's only one. It's the he. The he is Messiah. It's the Prince of Peace. And he will one day return and he will set up a kingdom of everlasting peace. That's, but he establishes that in God with us. Brought peace with God brings peace of God in life and then brings peace with us and other people. That's what Emmanuel, that little with, makes all the difference. Let me pray. I will worship and reflect on just that, a God with us. Father, I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that uh, you Lord Jesus left heaven and dwelt among us, that you took on flesh, that you humbled yourself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, um, so that we could have peace with you, so we don't need to fear, so there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Um, I, I pray for us that, that we would experience not only that, but also then the peace that it brings in life, that no matter what happens here, that you are preparing a weight of glory that we can't comprehend. Uh, and that we would look to that day uh, when you will return, Lord Jesus. Your second coming, uh, we long for it, and the church says, Maranatha, Lord, even so come. It's in Christ's name I pray.